And welcome to Desk Lady Ada. Hey everybody, welcome to Desk Lady Ada. Me, Lady Ada, at my desk, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, behind uh, the mic and camera control yeah. and more. Um, we're kind of wrapping up a pretty hectic week. First week of uh, New Year's, always very intense. I think it's been true for everybody. Yeah, you know those um, videos that you see every like July 3rd where they're like, oh yeah, look, someone accidentally let off all the fireworks at once. Or it's like, oh look, it's a fireworks factory that blew up and all the fireworks happened in five seconds. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So um, just a little uh, word to the wise. Um, pace yourself, everybody. These next few weeks in the United States of America, where we're at and probably elsewhere, will be tough. There's no way around it. Not going to candy coat it. Be good to each other. Have empathy. I know we're out of spoons, but... Uh, you just got to do it because we're almost through probably the worst and it always gets a little bit worse before it gets better. So hang tight. We'll be here. You know we will be. Take it away, Lady Ada. Okay, I want to start with maybe showing off some of the floppy stuff because I'm not going to be doing engineering on the floppy okay, stuff. Okay, do you want me to show the video from Friday? Yeah. Okay, let's kick it off. This is a one-minute video. We also have a playlist with all nine videos and then this one. So here is the latest one from Friday. Lady Ada, what is this? This is my pet octopus. No, this is the wiring um, for the feather floppy stuff that I was working on last week. I'm getting back to it. Um, this is the floppy drive. And this is, you know, wonderful and it worked, but you can tell the wiring is, it's, it's a little bit wiry. So I um, quickly, quickly sketched together a featherwing PCB um, that has all the pins labeled to make wiring a lot neater. So I've got it plugged in now into my feather M4 and this is the 34 pin interface and I got this nice cable which has even eight inch drive um, and you know, um, some five and a quarter maybe inch drive uh, socket support. And then um, you can easily debug by uh, plugging into the extra header. So if I want to like, you know, watch the index pin or the data pins. And uh, best part is it still works. So um, now I can actually add uh, floppy right support because I feel more confident that my wiring isn't gonna be flaky. Um, so then you'll be able to uh, fully duplicate floppy disks. Okay, that's where we're at. Yeah, What's I had, the latest? During, over Christmas and New Year's, you know, I had like seven, eight days in a row of like, you know, not doing meetings and emails as much. And so I had a lot more time to um, do floppy stuff every single day. And then, you know, as the week kind of kicked off, uh, got busy running Adafruit and making sure that the business is running and, and designing stuff for the business. And not that the floppy stuff isn't important too. I mean, it's electronics. We're going to sell some floppy stuff. Um, but we're going to get back into it and I, yeah, I know there's excitement and then it's like going to slow down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just to be we'll straight up, up, the health and safety of our team is more important than this floppy project. Yes. Um, but, you know, Lady and I have been working on projects for decades and sometimes they take a while, but we're moving pretty fast. So what do you got? Uh, okay, so let's go to the overhead. So the, I'll show the stuff. Tonight. Okay, so I've got um, that feather wing. So this is quite nice now because I can uh, plug in this floppy cable. i got a real floppy cable. And... Um, one thing that's nice is this floppy cable um, also came with um, a uh, five and a half inch floppy disk drive connector. And we got uh, a five and a half inch floppy disk, sorry, five and a quarter, three and a half, five and a quarter inch floppy um, drive. Uh, so this is a really a nice drive in very good condition. It's got the lock and everything. Um, wow. This motor is pretty sweet and it's got this connector and it's, um, they use an edge connector with like, you know, a, um, a little notch in it. So there you go. So this is how you would connect. $5 to get to the entire cable, but you'll only need the edge. 
<laughs> pretty much. Um, so this is a pretty pretty sweet uh, uh, disc drive. It's in really good condition. Um, nothing like leaded solder to make sure that your solder joints are nice and shiny and uncorroded um, after decades. Um, this was made, I think, in, in 88. Um, so uh, this is good. So this should actually just work, although I haven't actually. I just got this yesterday, so I haven't had a shot to um, turn it on. I also have to get myself a 12-volt power supply hooked up together. I am... Uh, a power jig for um, this because unlike the three uh, three and a half, the five and a quarters need both five and 12 volts. And they really need that 12 volts for like this like enormous ass stepper motor. <laughs> um, I mean, that's bonkers. Uh, this is 12 volts, uh, quarter amp, and this is um, 33 ohms, whatever, do the math. But it's also probably, it's probably like 12 volts, one amp, um, and then five volts also, you know, half an amp or something for the, for the control circuitry. So, uh, there you go. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited to uh, get this going this week. So that's the floppy stuff. So I'm glad I got that cable. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to show? We also have a question that I said that we would answer live on the air tonight in advance. Do you want to do that one now or do you want to... Oh, yeah. Live? Well, let me just show the last thing. I got um, my uh, uh, floppy flooper PCB. Um, <laughs> this is for connecting to um, those USB um, floppy... Uh, those USB floppy disk adapters, which are actually a laptop floppy drive connected to a PCB that does like mass storage over um, IBM 1.44 megabyte MFM formatted floppies only. So, you know, by, by pulling out um, the little adapter and then you connect the FPC of the floppy uh, drive to this, um, you can then uh, convert it either to 34 pin because you want something to connect to 34 pin or a little breakout. Um, Either way, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, I have to get the connector um, for this is on the way. I'll try it out and then I'll just verify that that um, laptop floppy drive works fine. And it's interesting because it's, it's kind of hard to get um, three and a half inch floppy disks. Like you can get them, but they're, they're not super, super available. Whereas a USB floppy drive is really available. And so I was like, well, what's inside of it? And yeah, it's just a laptop floppy disk. So if you can't get one of these large chunky type, just get the USB type, open it up, remove the controller PCB, and then you can do flex level readings um, if desired. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay, so that's all the floppy stuff. So yeah, you want to ask, ask answer this question and we'll yeah. get into the QT and then... Yeah, one, one of the things I'm going to start to do is we get a lot of questions. We, we usually answer them over email and everything, or sometimes we'll do in the forums. And then sometimes we do them on video because like we're an open source company. And like if we uh, can light one candle, it makes another candle brighter. And that candle can light another candle, another candle... Um, and so I've just been asking folks, like, hey, like, can we ask your question on air so at least you get to see it and hear it? So this is from Oz. It says uh, that the, I'll summarize the question they sent, and they're like, I'm about to maybe get an electronics company and move it to New York. And I said, okay, uh, what do you want to know? And the question is, guess I'm curious about the benefits of being here, New York, versus somewhere cheaper, finding space, and what you wish you had known when you were starting. So, Lady Ada, let's just start with the benefits of being in New York versus other places and something you wish you knew, and I have some stuff, too, that I'll say. I think the benefits of being in New York, it's, it's a very large economy. Um, there's a lot of people here, so and it's not hard to get people you want to move to New York to move to New York, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it, can be convinced, it can be challenging to convince people to move to um, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere if that's where you're from, but a lot of people live in New York City or want to live in New York City or want to visit New York City, and so that's... That's one really big benefit. Um, you know, tr you know, trade-off is 
space is going to be more expensive. You know, you can go to Brooklyn and Queens and there's some industrial space. Um, but like we're in one of the last industrial spaces in Manhattan. There's just not that many. Um, so you have to just be kind of smart and you have to be like compact with space. You have to think hard about how much space you need. Um, I think, I don't, there's nothing really that it's like, oh, I wish I knew when I'd started. I think it's just, it just takes a lot of work to run a business. Um, but you know, New York City is, even though um, it's not cheap, it's, it's a lot of people really excited to see New York City businesses. Like there's a lot of folks um, who want to support you because you're a local business. And that's, that's really nice. Okay. Uh, for me, one of the reasons that it's good to be in New York is time is money. And when we started Adafruit, it was out of an apartment near where they were building, which is now the, the Freedom Tower, one block away FedEx, one block away UPS, one block away DHL, one, really nice. one block away 24-7 CVS, one block away Starbucks. There one, was JNR. We could get you could get anything which is at one, like one dirty. block away Radio Shack. Yeah. So nice. for for two you know quote founders, um, we were able to get access to everything that normally people would have to hop in a car and spend hours. Also, uh, we had a lot of uh, college age uh, employees that were working part time with us. We paid great. They really liked the job. They liked the flexibility. And so we were always able to get a huge talent pool. If you watch the news, talent pool is tough. Mm. Um, we pay more, we give more, we do more, but we also get more. And so I think that's one of the benefits uh, is you have access to so much so instantly. Uh, none of our team members drive cars. They're taking public transportation. They're able to do other things. Um, there's eco-friendly versions of, of, of companies. And one of the things they always say is public transportation. Yeah. New York is public transportation. Yeah, Every we don't have to pay for parking. There's no parking lots. It's like, okay, space is more expensive, but I'm not renting a parking lot because nobody yeah. drives in, really. So every subway comes to Adafruit, no matter yeah. where we've been. So, um, and there's great food. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, when I worked in Minneapolis, it was like, okay, we're going to go to the TGI Fridays yeah. or the Chili's. And it's like, uh, there's, like, so many good independent restaurants and, like, good eateries. I mean, there's chains if you want to go to chains, but if you just want, like, an excellent burrito... Or like a great Cuban sandwich or like a Vietnamese pho in the middle of the day. There's one a block away. Here's the other thing. So what? Come to New York. Maybe you won't make it. But at least you get to say, I tried. And I think that's the thing that matters is everyone should have a New York story. Everyone is running away from or running to something in New York. You'll meet people that you'll know for the rest of your life. You might meet the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. New York is a good place. Now, as far as things we wish we knew I always think about that and you know when we were starting Lamore would ask me hey do you think everything's going to be okay and I'm like oh yeah one day you know we're only shipping 10 orders a day now but pretty soon it'll be you know 10,000 and, and sometimes a day or a week and I think one of the things is nothing happens instantly at least nothing good um so the thing I wish I knew was um, it's okay if things take a few years instead of a few days. And I would just want to hear that from the future again. Even though I knew it, that's the thing I wish it was like, look, no matter what you think or do, things just take a little bit of time. And that's why we built a solid business so I was able to take care of people in what I think folks are going to say was one of the hardest time periods in all of our lives, which is now. So um, anyways, that's what I would say. Okay, great. All right, let's okay. go on to um, the cutie pies that I designed this week. Yeah. Weekend. Um, oh, can I do one note, one more note? 
Um, Adafruit.com slash CircuitPython2020. Uh, we're crazy. We like to hear from our community. We like to hear from everybody. <laughs> um, tell us what you want in CircuitPython. Just go to Adafruit.com slash CircuitPython2020 and let us know. Um, it's also on Adafruit.com. There's a link right there, right-hand side. Little box, got the same graphic. Please, please, please let us know because we'll actually do it. Okay, lady, let's do some uh, stuff. So what's up okay. first? Um, so I designed a bunch of cutie pies, and I also made little diagrams for them, which means I was working on pretty pins. I took a little screenshot showing the process of taking data sheet information and putting it into a spreadsheet. Um, as I do that, I kind of double-check it. Um, and this is what I use to generate um, the pin diagrams. Um, next up, I made an NRF52840 uh, STEM IQT. So this one I didn't finish routing because actually it's, I got all the, you know, the GPI routed, but um, because of the, you know, the weird chip style, it's like a, a dual row QFN, um, it's just going to take a lot longer for me to route it. I know I'll be able to get it to fit, but it's just kind of like, um, it's kind of not fun. So I put that aside. Um, so next one I did is the ESP32-S3. Um, and this one I did um, next because the S2, which is um, in the store now, and actually we're gonna make the UFL version next, um, was pretty easy to do. It was, it was a dual layer, but it was also like, a, you know, a really good chip to do because it's got, you know, Wi-Fi and it has USB and it's got enough pins and, and it's great for CircuitPython or Arduino. Um, the S3, oh, Oh, this is the back of the same one, right? Yeah, but you okay. can't, the front looks the same. Oh, you want me to keep it? Yeah. Um, the S3 is almost identical. It has a dual core, so it's, it's more powerful. It, has, it does have a DAC, um, and it moves around a bunch of pins, and I think there's some peripheral changes. I know this has also got like a, I think the S3 has like another like low-power core inside of it or something. Um, basically, the S3 is a dual core, which is really nice because it means that you can have all your Wi-Fi stuff handled on one core, and then you have plenty of processor um, speed left over, um, and the yeah, it's the the it's front. The, back. the front looks the same as the S2, which is why I'm like, you know, not much to look at. Um, you get the boot button, the reset button, antenna. Um, the stomach QT port has two different pins, so it's got you get 13 pins total. Um, but other than other than that, it's pretty much the same as the um, S2. It's just I just shuffled a couple of pins around because. The GPIO moved down and, and something, something, something. But So just watch out if you're moving something from the S2 to the S3 chip. The module is almost the same. It makes the same pinout, but the chip is not quite the same pinout. Okay, and those who asked? Um, then I was like, well, you know, like if I'm doing the S3, why not do the ESP32? And um, this wasn't possible until there was the um, Pico version of the ESP32, which is confusing because there's the, the RP2040 Pico. Um, but the ESP32 Pico is a, a 7 by 7 millimeter 56 pin QFN chip that has PS RAM and flash in it. So this is a 4 megabyte flash, 2 megabyte PS RAM ESP32. But like for folks who use ESP32 or like have projects, like this is going to just work. You know what I mean? Like I, I like the S2 and I think the S3 is going to be very popular, but there are just thousands and thousands of projects that use the original ESP32, like, like yeah. easily tens of thousands of projects. Um, and it has Bluetooth Classic. Um, so I, you know, I routed out this design. This was a little bit hairy. Um, I started to have to, like, for the S2 and the S3, I didn't use the inner layers. They, like, they were pure ground and power planes. But the SP32, because it has that USB to serial converter chip um, required, and they don't get any smaller than the CP2102. Um, that is the smallest size that you can get for 
um, a USB serial converter um, that has the DTR and RTS pin because you need both to do the auto reset. Um, that said, everything else is integrated, like the crystal is integrated in the ESP32. Um, I put a Pi network on the antenna, but it technically is already in there. Um, kind of like everything, the like pull-ups, every, all that kind of ex extra stuff that you'd expect. So um, nothing, you know, I never, I kind of forgot about the ESP32 is you, it looks like it has a lot of GPIO, but it actually doesn't. Um, a lot of the pins are taken by the QSPY flash and the PSRAM, and a lot of them are inputs only because they're near the um, antenna. And so, you know, and I wanted to get the high speed um, SPI pins onto, uh, onto the, the, the SPI port that clock uh, mostly MISO pins. So they kind of like, you know, after I finished it, I was like, oh shoot, I forgot to do that. I had to reroute the whole thing. But um, I think there's a couple projects I wanted to do where, um, you know, like it could make like the tiniest little like Sega Genesis emulator or something. And you really do need to have the high speed SPI for that. You want to be able to drive that TFT at 80 megahertz um, using the high speed um, SPI peripheral. So this was probably going to be the smallest ESP32 um, like full all you know all together, but that actually works without any additional hardware. Um, and even got the the battery and uh, ground pads at the top, so you can run off a battery. And and the NeoPixel is driven off of a um, the power is driven off of, off of a pin, so I think that this should be able to actually go very low power too. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, so I'm going to order this PCB and to prototype it uh, to to check my prototype. I made this uh, pinout diagram to kind of help me visualize. Um, all the ADCs and, and the high-speed SPI and the touch pins and, you know, making sure all of them are input and outputs. Um, but I got all 13 GPIO out there, so that's that was a kind of nice one. And then... Um, all right, well, we have a video message because there's a lot of folks asking about risk. They want to know, is it good? And uh, here's the answer. Risk architecture is going to change everything. Yeah, risk is good. Yeah. I'm Angelina Jolie. Um, no, not really. Um, no, so I, wear, finally, I wear the dress in this household. That's right. We both, <laughs> we both wear dresses when we go. Yeah. We go on the roof to our uh, a pool date. Um, so having done all the other ESP32s, I was like, well, the last is the is C3. And what's interesting is I actually looked at designing a C3 Feather um, a few weeks ago. And I decided, um, well, maybe it was two months ago, I decided not to because the C3 has like very, very few GPIO pins, like eight. Um, it really doesn't have a lot of GPIO pins. And so as a feather, it would be kind of like, it's sort of like the ESP8266. It's like, I was like, I don't know if people really want something that is missing so many IO pins. Um, although I might change my, pla my, my plans on that. Anyway, so, you know, the C3, um, there's, a, there's a version that has flash built in. There isn't a version with PSRAM at this time, but it's small. Um, it has a built-in USB to serial converter. It does not have native USB, so it doesn't, it's not gonna get supported by CircuitPython, really. I mean, like maybe, but like not super well because it can't show up as a disk drive or act like a keyboard or a mouse. But it is a RISC-V chip and it's kind of like our first RISC-V. And if you're gonna do RISC-V, having one that has Wi-Fi built in is nice. And ironically, I thought this was gonna be a really easy route because it's like the chip is pretty small. You don't need a USB serial converter. Um, you don't need a lot of stuff with it. You know, it's pretty simple. But actually, because the pins are so restricted, um, I actually, uh, it was actually tougher than expected. Um, I ended up having to put um, a lot of stuff on the middle layers because 
They're just, it's not like, you know, one of the nice things if you have a pin, a Jeep, you know, a chip with a lot of pins, you have a lot of flexibility about where, you know, which goes where, because you can just swap pins around until you get a nice, um, you know, for all the, the, like the I squared C pins, it doesn't matter what you use. So you just pick whatever the closest, easiest route. But with this, a lot of the pins were really restricted because there's not a lot of ADCs. And then um, some of the pins have special functions, and then like a whole slew of them are used for the internal flash. So, you know, I had to use every single pin, and so actually routing was a little tougher um, than expected. So it's not even clear, it's not clear that it has a high-speed SPI peripheral, like some of them are marked HSPI, but I'm almost positive that those are used internally for the, the um, internal flash. So, you know, and then the ADCs are fixed, and then I2C isn't special, and the UART pins are on the UART pins, so that's, that's that. Okay, well, we have a couple questions. Yeah. Um, and I'll just go to uh, this because it covers a few things. Um, quick question, what's the power draw difference between the QDPI, ESP32, S2, and S3? Is one more power efficient? Just curious for wearable projects. The, the ESP32, I believe, is, is the lowest power because I believe you can go down to 30 microamps. Now, I know I've looked at the S2 because I've had to do low power stuff with the S2, like for the bag tag. The S2 does not get lower than like 60 or 70 or 80 microamps. I've never been able to get it below that. I believe the ESP32 in deep sleep can go lower. I think it can go to like 30, 20 or 30. That said, like, that's pretty low. Like, both are extremely low. Like, once you get under 100 microamps, like, um, you know, that, that's a very, like, your self-discharge of your lithium polymer battery is, is greater than 0.1 milliamps. All right. Great question, Michael. And then SS220 Astro has the question that I was hoping someone would ask because the next answer is a visual answer. So uh, SS220 Astro says, are you planning a feather-like ecosystem for cutie pies? Yeah, we're uh, coming up with a name. Right now we're calling them BFFs. But, yes. uh, but I'll tell you some of the other names in a second. So uh, Lady Ada, what's this? And will we have an ecosystem for all the things, accessories, that go on to a cutie pie. Yeah, so like, you know, we designed the trinket a long, long time ago, and the trinket I really liked, but it was actually a little bit too small. Um, I mean, I'm still going to sell the trinkets, but I don't want to design... The, you know, the reason I'm able to make all these different cutie pies is because it's just wide enough that you can get more chips to fit, whereas the trinket actually was just mechanically too small um, and didn't have as many pins, and so like it, I, I felt like this... You know, the, the shell layout from Seed is actually a, a better layout. So I was like, like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of cute. There, there's something kind of nice about it. Kinda, it's kind of squarish. Um, fits in a breadboard. It doesn't have mounting holes, but it's so small. Maybe you don't need any. You can use, use the pins for mounting holes. Um, so I saw Geek Mom posted on Twitter this really cool ESP32C3, with had, which had NeoPixels on the back. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a good idea. Like... You know, I could have a PCB that kind of fits on the back of the cutie pie, not in the front, because the front has got the buttons and USB and stuff and the antenna. But it could fit on the back, and um, it would have uh, like a little 5x5 five five NeoPixel array, cause it's a little bit like a micro bit, right? And so I did a quick layout, and this would sandwich onto the back, right? And so um, you would probably use little headers, maybe little headers and spacers to make a little sandwich, um, like a little skinny sandwich, but then you could... Um, add functionality. So I designed a couple of these. Like I'm designing a lithium polymer backpack one because I had like the Pro Trinket backpack and this is going to be a little similar. Um, but again, it fits on the back, not on the front. So not good for um, projects that are on a breadboard, but could be good for like if you want to make little um, 
charms, like little projects that aren't breadboard friendly, but that like, you know, are standalone. Um, so I think I'm gonna design a couple of those. Yeah, so here's the thing, and we open this up to everyone always, because my opinion is a way to get a good idea is to get lots of ideas. Um, so folks on Twitter and other places have come up with uh, some ideas, because we were like, well, maybe we'll call them BFFs for now. Uh, sandwiches with slices, booty, chiclets, and then the, the current popular one is mullet and mullets, and I'll tell you why we can't do it. It is fun to say, business in the front, party in the back, love it. But sometimes, you know, people have made fun of each other because of haircuts and stuff like that. And also, generally mullets, you know, do tabs. So we're trying to find something that's, um, okay, codename mullet is here. Don't worry about that. We're calling them mullets internally. Fine. I won't, I won't stop you, but I don't think I, I, don't think yeah, I can have the official but, name be that. Yeah, but BFF right now is, is what we're going for. So Cutie Pie has a BFF. You know, we'll see. But um, if anyone has some, some names, um, Chicklets has a weird uh, trademark history. Stay away from that one. Um, and then Sandwiches and Slices. And there's a bunch of other ones that folks are talking about. But uh, thanks for thanks for thinking of these, folks. Really appreciate it. But we're not going to call it a shield. Not going to call it wing. Not going to call it a hat. Not going to call it capes. Um, but I think right now BFFs is, uh, is, is at least where we can bring the most people together. And that's what we try to do with a lot of stuff we do. Okay. So... Um that's going to lead into the Great Search. Let's do the Great Search. Where in the world is that part I need? The Great Search with DigiKey. The Great Search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Every single week, Lady Ages are power of engineering to find stuff online at digikey.com. And guess what? It's hard to find stuff. We've been doing this before there was a part shortage. We'll be doing this after Lady Ada. What is the Great Search of the Week? This week. Okay, this week I'm looking for a new part that I'm gonna put on my ESP32 cutie pie. Do you mind clicking on the Pico board? I can show the back of it. Left, 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 left. This one? Left, one more. This one? Bang. Okay, so the ESP32 is a kind of interesting chip because it doesn't have native USB, so you've gotta add a USB serial converter, and that's the second chip, the one in the kind of the middle top there. The ESP32 is the thing on the bottom. so we've got a CP2102, and we covered the CP2102 as a USB serial converter, like a low-cost, small USB serial converter, and that's all good. Um, but there's an, another little thing. Not only do you need the USB serial for RX and TX data, but by doing this kind of funky trick with two NPN transistors, um, you can use the pulses from the RTS and DTR lines on the USB serial converter to reset the ESP32 um, into bootloader mode. And this is similar to, um, if you have an Arduino, the Arduino also used RTS or DTR to toggle the reset line to kind of auto reset the board from USB serial converters. Um, For the ESP32, they didn't connect the DTR and RTS directly. Um, Instead, they have this little transistor like flippy floppy thingy going on there, which I once analyzed and then I've totally forgotten how it works. So let's go to the computer and I will um, pop up the schematic and I'll show you the parts. So this is um, what it looks like. Um, you connect, there's IO0 is the bootloader pin and reset is the um, reset pin for the chip. And then RTS and DTR, when they do a little toggle, um, they will cha- you know, they will lower the uh, IO0 pin, which is 
tells it to go to bootloader mode on reset, and then it quickly toggles the reset pin to set it to reset. It comes out of reset, IO0 is still low. Um, it knows it should go into bootloader mode. So the only thing is I need to uh, get a dual NPN. Now I've got n-channel FETs here, but you can't use n-channel FETs. I'm, I've never actually tried it, but like every schematic from Espressive uses uh, two NPNs. So I'm gonna assume you need NPN. That said, um, I do like the dual BSS that we use on a lot of our boards. It's um, this part here, and it's nice and small. These are 0402 resistors. This is a TSOP 6, also known as a, known as a SOP 363. Um, it's, it's finer pitched than a SOP 23.6, which is um, a SOP 23 is, I'll show you. So this is a, a SOP 23 size. So it's, it's significantly larger. Um, I'll use a SOP 23 for a power supply, but for something that's not using a lot of power, like this dual FET thing, um, a SOP 363 is, is perfectly fine. And you actually can solder them by hand. Like they're, they're fine pitch, but they're uh, 0.5 millimeters. So they're not, they're not gonna kill you. Um, you can hand solder them. We use them by like the hundreds of thousands. Every STEMIQT board, um, we include uh, a dual FET to do the level shifting for I squared C. And so we stock thousand, thousand of them. But again, those are BSS138 and channel FETs. This time we want, um, dual NPN. So let's go to um, DigiKey. First up, I want to mention, so this is the, the dual FET that we use, um, BSS138BKS. We have a quarter million stock because we actually go through like 10,000 a day uh, easily because um, there's, there's like two or three on like almost every single board that we make. Um, so this very small part, and this is the part, and I actually couldn't remember the name of the package. So what I did, I was like, oh, I want if I want something in the same package, I'll actually look up what DigiKey calls the package, and then it'll just make it a little easier for me to um, find the part. So this is called a, uh, this has multiple names, and that's not unusual. Sometimes when they get these small chips, uh, they have different names. So this is called a 6T SOP, or SC88, or a SOP363. So good to know. Anyway, so we, what we want is a dual NPN. <coughs> Pardon me. There's a couple NPNs. Um, just be careful because I actually w accidentally went to single. Like I went to single first and I started searching. You can't. You have to go to arrays. Um, and <coughs> NPNs come in a couple different configurations, so it's, it's not a big deal. Just watch out for it. Um, sometimes they do you a favor by connecting stuff inside, but we want two completely separate NPN transistors. And again, for more, most of our ESP32 boards, we just have two SOT23s, but we just don't have any space on this board. It's so small, I have to go with the SOT363. So let's go with in stock, active. And then um, let's look at that package. So again, I like the, the package that I've got the BSS138 in, which is a 6TSOP SC88363. There's probably smaller, um, but this is pretty small. I think like a D, you know, UDFN will be smaller, but I like things with pads, you know, for stuff this small. Um, okay, so let's apply. Oh, one thing to, um, because I picked something with six pads, I sort of solved one problem, but um, if you look at the configuration, um, you can get common emitter. 
Common emitter means the emitters to connect together. This is really good for um, uh, differential measurements or amplifiers. Um, <clears throat> there's quad, of course, and then there's uh, matched pair and non-matched. Matched pair, like it means that the this, there's this, they're guaranteed to be within a certain percentage of the same VBE, like whatever, like the the amount of current that they're going to pass in the um, voltage offset you're going to get like they're going to act very similar and again that makes it better for um differential signal measurements in this case it doesn't matter because again we're using them totally separate but also um we don't want common emitters so i don't mind looking for matched pair but usually you have to pay a little bit more for matched pairs um if you do synthesizers you're going to constantly be doing matched pair stuff but i'm not doing synthesizers i'm doing a cutie pie so that's cool um okay back to this once I select that, um, yeah, there's only match pair, non-match pair, which I don't care about. And then when I go down here, um, I sorted by price just to see like, okay, well, how much am I gonna pay for these? Um, and one thing I noticed is that the ones that are the least expensive, like these Pum X2s from Nexperia, um, they have a min quantity and uh, there's no way to like not select. I don't know that there's a way to select something that doesn't have, um, a min quantity, but if you click here, you can only buy this by the reel. Like if I try to buy 300, it's gonna say no. So that's not like a bad thing. Like I might use these, but if I'm gonna get samples, which is what I'm doing right now, um, I wanna get something where I don't have to purchase a large quantity. So for example, like this has a minimum quantity of like 4,000 and I don't wanna buy 4,000. Um, so what I did is when I got to, um, these two on semis, this BC-84-7, um, these are the ones where I saw like, oh, they have plenty in stock. Um, there's two versions. There's one from Panjit and there's one from, uh, there's a couple from Panjit and one from on semi. And these have a minimum quantity of only one. So, you know, it's tough because I, the other ones are much less expensive, although it's, a, you know, minimum quantity and maybe at the minimum quantity or the quantity I need, it'll be about the same. But I'm getting only samples right now anyways. Um, so I order the sample PC samples when I get the PCBs on order. So by the time the PCBs make it to me, I've got all the, the components. Um, but these are in stock and uh, they look just fine. So I'm gonna pick these up, I'm going to try them out. And you know, nothing really beats just soldering them into a circuit with an ESP32 and just uh, checking that it works. But I'm pretty confident it will. Like the ESP32 reset circuit is like very well tested and tried. So even though I've never tried this particular transistor, um, you know, they have a, the voltage limits are reasonable, the current collector, the, collect, the current max current to the collector is reasonable, um, the DC gain is reasonable, everything, this is a very jelly bean part, so no reason why it won't work. So this is gonna, I'm gonna pick up 50 of these and get ready for when my ESP32 cutie pie arrives. This is the one part that I don't already have stocked. And that's a great search. All right, I guess I'm breaking news. What's breaking news? Well, first off, uh, I saw Geek Mom in the chat. Thanks, Geek Mom, for stopping by and coming up with some fun names and more. And publishing your projects. You know, we love seeing your stuff. Thank you. Um, so someone came up with a name in the chat. This was from Tackle the World, Sprinkles. That's kind of nice. Sprinkles, okay. Sprinkles. Because Cutie Pie seems to have, 
you know, like, oh, that's cute. It's like a cupcake. It's like a little cute thing. Like, maybe you put sprinkles yeah, on like top. Like frostings? You okay. put sprinkles on top. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, nice, friendly terminology, sprinkles. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Um, BFF fits on the board. These are tiny boards. Yeah, these are small. I've got a so couple we'll more I'll, I'll be posting over the week. I, I designed a couple more, and, um, you know, I have some ideas for them. But I actually have a project... What's funny is what kind of prompted the Cutie Pie ESP32 is I needed a project with a, a Bluetooth Classic chip, and then I realized like we, you know, I don't have anything really tiny that does Bluetooth Classic, and so I was like, ah, yeah. ESP32 is one of those few chips that can do um, Bluetooth too. You know, it's 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 dead, but it's kind of not dead. A lot of things still use um, Bluetooth Classic, like a lot. Oh. All right, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of this adventure. Um, we're going to keep doing this thing, and we're not going to stop. And uh, if we can do it, you can. If we can make it in New York, so can you. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Um, we'll see everybody during the week. We have our entire set of shows that we do every single week, Tuesday, JP, Wednesday, I'm Pedro, also, Lady and I with Show and Tell, and then Ask an Engineer. We might have to move stuff around. Um, who knows? Th these weeks are uh, trying. Um, just as someone who helps run a company with Lady Ada, this is as hard as when uh, COVID first started in mid-March. Um, the, the gymnastics we, we do on a daily basis, um, we take really good care of our team, so we just have to do a lot. Um, you know, sometimes people... This is devastating news. One of their kids tests positive and they have to do a bunch of stuff and uh, they just need someone to talk to them on the phone. And uh, that's my job. That's your job. And uh, I can help them through it. And so sometimes we move shows around stuff. It's not because uh, we don't want to do it, just sometimes we just run out of time. And more so we appreciate the support and patience that you have on Thursday, another JP show, and then Friday, Deep Dive with Scott. We'll keep doing this stuff. Thank you everyone so much for supporting us. Please pick up something in our store. It helps a lot. It you, does. <laughs> that, that goes straight into paying everybody. Yeah. The money goes directly from you to pay our team and the bills and the inventory. And that's it. That's all we do. <laughs> all right. So we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody.